When people think of Chinese sci-fi, do they think of Alan Turing's depression? A cute flying talking bat? Night journeys? Wistful forgotten childhood summers? Well, if they don't, then they should, because our guest for this episode is Shadja, and we're talking about her upcoming crowdfunded book, A Summer Beyond Your Reach. It's our second time having an author on the show, and although I'm really excited to get you guys listening to the uh, interview, the call I did with her, uh, let's first do the plugs incredibly swiftly. I have a Twitter you can follow, at AngusLikesWars, I tweet about mostly this show. The show has an Instagram that you can follow, it is at Truchafic, T-R-C-H-F-I-C. You can support the show financially uh, to get well, on Patreon, and you will get access to bonus content, including a show I did just recently with Dylan Levi King, kind of a, a follow-up. It's the first time I've ever had a repeat guest, and we went a little bit off the script. We didn't just talk about literature. Um, we had a little bit more of an unstructured, casual chat. So that's on the Patreon there for you. Um, for a one-off donation, you can go to buy me a coffee. Help me get coffee. Help fuel me. Uh, links for both of those will be in the show notes. Without further ado, let's listen to the Trichofic news. And then, after the news, we can listen to Shadja and what she's got to say. So our first news item is a very exciting little online publication, if you can call it that. It's the Paper Republic Roll Call of Books Translated from Chinese in 2019. So, I've talked up Paper Republic a lot, and um, I can see just from the little picture that they've posted on like the banner of this page. What have we got? Uh, Waste Tide by Chen Fan, Supernova Era, Supernova Era, The Supernova Era by Cixin Liu, or Liu Cixin, The Redemption of Time by Bao Shu, Broken Stars uh, from Ken Liu. So a lot of sci-fi there. And what else can I see? I can see Mike Fu's new book, that'll be in our second news item. I can see Broken Wings by Jia Pinghua from Aline Charles Asia. I can see Life by uh, Lu Yao from Amazon Crossing. And I can see the second, actually no, not the second, the first uh, Jin Yong Legend of the Condor Heroes book uh, from McLehose Press. There's some stats as well in this blog that are quite interesting. So the number of books that Paper Republic were able to count translated from Chinese uh, in 2019 was 28, which is a significant decrease. Uh, 2018 had 40. Another stat, only 4 of the 28, so 1 in 7 uh, of these books were from women writers. So obviously there's a whole uh, breadth and wealth of uh, Chinese literature that could be translated, but 6 sevenths of the books that are getting published from Chinese into English are by male authors. There's the stats for that. There is some more encouraging news, I suppose, regarding literary prizes. The Society of Authors TA First Translation Prize has a short list of six novels, and two of them are actually translated from Chinese. Our second news item, so really exciting news, a book from Taiwanese poet slash travel writer, I think she is, um, San Mao, a collection of her stuff has been translated by Mike Fu and published in English by Bloomsbury. Stories of the Sahara. Um, I'm seeing here you can get the ebook for £14.26. You can order a physical copy for about a pound more. What have we got here in the blurb? San Mao, 
author, adventurer, pioneer, born in China in 1493. She moved to Chong. She moved from Chongqing to Taiwan, Spain to Germany, the Canary Islands to Central America, and for several years in the 70s to the Sahara. Stories of the Sahara invites us into San Mao's extraordinary life in the desert, her experiences of love and loss, freedom and peril, all told with a voice as spirited as it is timeless. But yeah, that's the end of our news segment for today. Let's proceed with the episode and listen to Xia Jia. So I'm on the show with one of the rising stars of Chinese science fiction, who writes under the pen name Xia Jia and. Under the name Wang Yao, she's also an associate professor at、uh, the Xi'an Jiao Tong University. So Xia, I think it goes without saying, it's absolutely awesome to have you have you on the show.、Um, how's your day going so far? Um, quite good. Thank you.、Uh, I'm very honored to be invited here to talk with you and、uh, all of this、uh, invisible audience. Yeah.、Uh, yes. And、uh, this year, I'm、uh, I'm as a visiting scholar at UCR, so I'm living in California. So the winter、um. here is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, we're、um, we're having a rainy winter here in Scotland right now. It's probably the opposite of California. It's not very fun. Uh, right now it's really too, but uh, uh, generally speaking, it's like the weather here is more sunny than most of the places I've been.、Mm, I can imagine.、Um, mm. So you're you've got something in common with a few of the past guests we've had on for not just the sci-fi season, but also the、uh, Chen Zijin episode,、um, and that is that I met you at the Leeds Genre Fiction Symposium. Although in that setting. Technically, maybe I was talking to Wang Yao and not Xia Jia, and <laughs> we don't have a Turing test to figure that one out.、Uh-huh. But、um, anyway, how how did you find that symposium,、uh, and then the rest of the trip you had in the UK, and then all your travels after? How's it all been? <laughs> uh, the symposium was re- really cool because、uh, the new Chinese writing study center, right? In Leeds University, yeah, it's a very small but adorable academic community. So, I was very happy to to be there to talk about my own writing and Chinese science fiction in general, and、uh, have this opportunity to meet some new、uh, old friends and also make contact with some new friend there.、Mm. Uh, and、uh, after that,、uh, but it was a little pity because of the, like the full schedule of the symposium, so that I didn't have uh, in, uh, a lot of time for sightseeing in Leeds, because、mm. we heard that it's very lovely city. Yeah.、Uh, but after that, after that symposium, I and Stanley Chen we went to Manchester for the Manchester Writers Festival, and uh, we uh, we participated a public activity there. And after that, we have a extra a two ex, a extra two days for sightseeing in Manchester. It was also a very very lovely city, because、uh, it's a it's a good European city for walking. You know, you can walk from place to place.、Mm. And、uh, yeah, and I visited some very、uh, famous places like、uh, the library, the museum, and also oh, I also visited the Memorial Park for adventuring there.、Mm. It's a Very、uh, little tiny park, but、uh, still lovely. Yeah,、uh, just in <laughs> Canal Street in the little gay village. It's a, it's、uh, a nice yes, spot. Ah, yes, yes, yes.、Mm. And also, we visited at a gay street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the same day, but the the, the night after before, I visited、oh. the Memorial Park. Because it, it was a crazy night. We 
just <laughs> made use of that night and uh, I and Emily Jing, the, the, my, my, one of our lovely translator, and mm. also Stanley Chen, they went to visit a very famous park close to our hotel and mm. we met two uh, old men, lovely old men, and they have a lovely talk and mm. then they invited us uh, some like a whiskey and we and uh, then he they invited us to go, to go to the gay street to for some like the <laughs> for some That's like awesome. the interesting experience there yeah right so um i should just say um as I mentioned in the Waste Tide episode, Stanley Chen and Chen Chiu Fan, yes. that's the same person. So that was yourself and Chen Chiu Fan in the Manchester Canal Street having whiskey. That's that's an interesting <laughs> tale. And we and the Chen, uh, Chen Chiu Fan and I, we also watched the the Joker in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yes. And we should say as well, um, if Emily Jin, if you're listening, hello to you. Um, she she got in touch with the show. It's it's fantastic that. Again, so there's there's yourself and and Chiu Fan, a couple of the rising stars of Chinese sci-fi. But then Emily Jin herself, along with Ken Liu, she's I guess she's one of the a big a big name makes it sound a bit maybe celebrity-ish. But when I was doing my studies of Chinese sci-fi and now as a reader, that's a translator name that pops up again and again. And it's you know it's nice when you talk to the real person that you see on these pages, whether it's online by text or by a call. It's it's a cool thing. But I'm, I think I'm talking a bit too much. Um, let's go to the next question. Um, so just like it was on the Waste Tide episode, uh, the guest on the show is also the author. So we're doing some of your, well, one of your books, uh, Xia. We're going to talk about A Summer Beyond Your Reach, which is uh, not, it's not published yet, is it? Uh, quite soon. Quite soon. <laughs> and it's a very interesting sort of publishing uh like the the route this book has taken to getting produced is an interesting one so i wonder if you could tell us that story ah uh, yeah because uh the things begin uh from like a uh, uh, my club uh, cooperation with neil clark mm. uh he's a very uh, very kind and uh, uh yeah, a professional editor in the u.s and uh, he has his uh, own uh magazine clark's world and uh, I and that, uh, that's also like the it's, it's it's a venue I published my first English story there, and then we began our like long time cooperation. And uh, I think that it was last uh, last year, he uh, is uh, began to establish his own publisher house, which is mm-hmm. a small one, and uh, he more interested in like the uh, like science fiction in other languages mm-hmm. uh, except like English market. So he wanted to. Try Try some uh, something new for the market. Uh, so he talked with me about like the uh, opportunity for publishing my first English collection, short story collection. Because mm. like the this kind of collection is not that attractive to the big publisher. So he thought that it can be a good thing to like to try if it if. Uh, this kind of like a uh, publication would work. So he, uh, so he chose like the to establish his progress as a Kickstarter campaign. Mm. 
-hmm. And uh, this campaign started in the in the beginning of this year, uh, and uh, we uh, and and it was very well organized, which impressed me a lot because mm. it was my first time to really participate this kind of Kickstarter campaign, mm -hmm. and we soon got a collect enough money to pay for uh, mainly like the translation fee and also like the the copyrights of my story. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, all of this project is like so we talked about, for example, how to choose the stories, which story to choose, and also we talk, uh, we discussed about like the title for mm. this, uh, for this collection, because uh, there was like the uh, like a novella included in this collection. Its name is A Time Beyond Your Reach. It's, it's a very like good a title. Novel. Yes, and uh, so we want to choose like the similar one, like very poetic uh, title. So we choose like the a summer beyond you are rich, because mm. my pen name Xia Jia, uh, the Chinese character Xia means summer, <laughs> and mm. summer is also like my nickname. <laughs> I guess that's like kind of like if you have an English name, it's summer, right? Mm, yes, yes. I want to ask you more about summer later. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, so my what when I learned about this Kickstarter, it was when I was doing uh, my research for my Chinese sci-fi uh, master's dissertation. And a thing I noticed when I had a proper close read of the Kickstarter page was the date for when the Kickstarter started and the date for when the uh, money goal was reached. I noticed it was really fast that uh, the, the, the project hit the target. And then hit like the bonus target. So obviously, Niels found a lot of readers who are really interested in, I guess, not just Chinese sci-fi, but your stories. So it seems like it's a really great success story. Yes. In Kickstarter yes. publishing. Yes. All of yeah. this process is just out of my expectation. Right. It's like the magic. Oh, and uh, also, as you mentioned, like uh, we very successfully got the money we need. So we also set up some like the bonus targets. And uh, uh, the third target uh, would be uh, like uh, an another anthology entitled mm. New Voices in China. So that we uh, anthology uh, special for some like the upcoming writers in China who have never who never had any uh, foreign language translation so mm. this anthology can be maybe a, like a good starting point of like a, a stage for them to publish their first english story mm -hmm. so that's that uh, anthology i think would be uh upcoming very soon uh, in the beginning of next year fantastic yeah. and before i get on to asking you about your own stories i just want to say my own piece of I guess, praise or a comment about Clark's world. So again, what I found on my dissertation was if you're looking for English language sci-fi from China, translated stuff, it's from either Head of Zeus or Tor, depending on if you're in North America or the rest of the world. There's one book, a Wang Jinkan book from Amazon Crossing, and then everything else, it's Clark's world. Um, and a lot of that stuff is, is really great for people who want to kind of try some Chinese sci-fi because a lot of this, I think maybe all of the stories they're online just as web pages that you can read. A lot of uh, your stories, Xia, are up there, but then other stories from the more famous Chinese sci-fi writers and then people who have been first published through his website. But also, if people like, uh, I guess, audiobooks, a lot of these stories have been recorded in audio form. And I think for podcast fans, there is even a Clark's World podcast. So not all the stories there are Chinese sci-fi, but they're all sci-fi and yeah, it's just an amazing thing. I think um, the writers and the fans of Chinese sci-fi call Neil Clark Angel. Is that right? 
<laughs> yes, yes. We called him yeah, like a 天使 angel.、Mm. And、Which then, means he's always so kind to to do all of these things.、Mm. And I think we mentioned in the waist tight episode, there's a holy kind of like a holy trinity. There's Neil Clark, the angel,、uh, Ken Leo, the Buddha, and <laughs> the, maybe yeah, Buddha, yeah, Buddha Ken Leo. Yeah, and Leo Sishin, the Godfather. <laughs> oh my God,、uh, that's good, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna try and make that a thing.、Mm-hmm. Anyway,、um, let's move on to questions about your stories. So this is my first time doing a podcast episode where where the book is an entire collection of short stories. So I'm going to try something a bit experimental, since it's <laughs> sci-fi. I think experiments and sci-fi are a good pair. So what I've、yes. done is for all of the stories, out of all the stories that are going to be in a summer far beyond your reach. There is it a summer far beyond your reads, or just a summer, a summer beyond? Be, a, a summer beyond, yeah. Oh, I the put north, the word the far, far in there. That's my mistake. Uh, um, anyway, you can repeat I, it again. Yeah,、um, I'll I'll leave the mistake in. I think it's a charming mistake. <laughs> okay. Yeah.、Um, so there are some stories from this collection which you can already read,、um, either in print, like Tong Tong Summer, that's in Invisible Planets, or several of them are readable on the Clark's World website. So、yes. I've read those ones, and for each one, I've just prepared one question. Although I might have some follow-up questions sneakily. But、um, before I ask the question, I'll just ask you, Xia, to introduce kind of like really briefly the idea or the plot of the story. So shall we give this a try? Yeah, let let us try. <laughs> okay. Let me try my best. <laughs> yeah, give it our best shot. Okay. So the first one is the psychology game. So what's this one about? Uh, so the psychology, psych, psychology game is、yeah. a, it's about like a, it's about like a story happening in near future, and、uh, it depicts a, like a reality TV show. And uh, uh, in this TV show, you can see one patient and uh, one uh, therapist. Uh, they having conversation. So it's a. Uh, so it looks like a psychological、uh, therapy,、uh, but the point、uh, the point of the story is that the, all of the audience they have to guess whether the therapist on the other、uh, end of the uh, 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 hidden behind the screen is、uh, like a real human being or an intelligible、uh, or or、uh, artificial intelligence software or、uh, like the、uh, like the chatbot.、Mm. So. The whole story is discussed about like this reality TV show. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Cool. So my question I have for this one, it's a kind of a question on a theme, but I can introduce it by saying when I did the previous episode on, or well, technically this would be two episodes ago, when I was doing the Fei Dao story,、uh, I sent the link to my girlfriend and she read it. And when it came time to do this episode with you, and I was preparing, I was reading some of the Clark's World pages, so I thought. I'd introduce my girlfriend to these stories by saying they're about the Turing test, and she said,、eh? "What's the Turing test?" And I said, "Don't worry, this story will literally teach you what the Turing test is." And I thought that was interesting because your other story that's not in this collection, "Goodnight Melancholy," I think it also kind of teaches you what the Turing test is. And you've got another story, one written in、uh, English. Called Let's、yes. Have a Talk, which has a similar idea. So maybe I can briefly introduce the Turing test. It's a conversation-based be- test where、uh, you're testing if an AI is r- really an AI, and it passes if the human member of the conversation doesn't know the difference between, can't tell if the other member is an AI or robot or not, then it passes the Turing test. So you've got there. There's kind of this communication conversation Turing test theme. 
in these stories and two of them i think goodnight melancholy on this one the psychology game they can actually teach the reader in an instructive way what the turing test is and this reminded me of your um essay that introduces um is one of the introductory essays in invisible planets because it mentions uh, what it, what makes chinese science fiction chinese yes exactly thank you um because it taught me a lot of stuff about the history of chinese sci-fi the early i think some of the early qing dynasty stuff and then the kind of middle period where it i guess it would be in the mao era just after the revolution where chinese sci-fi was similar to soviet union like soviet style sci-fi which was often used to I guess one of its uses was to teach scientific concepts. So I, to ask a really open question, were you partly using these stories to kind of explain a concept from science or was that not really your purpose? Ah, uh, yeah. Because uh, one thing is that this story, the psychology game, actually it used to be like a byproduct of uh, Goodnight Melancholy. Right. <laughs> so when I was... Uh, writing the story the basic idea is about like the the uh, depression uh, mm. of human being and uh, the chatbot and because uh, uh, the it, it was inspired by some like the news reports about like uh, how uh, some of the official people they are trying to use this chatbot to create creative some like conversation to to help the people who suffer from depression Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I have, I, have, I have this idea to write a story about like this kind of idea, and uh, uh, the the, the good night melancholy. It was uh, combined with like two storylines. One is like a, a non-fiction style, mm. and another one is like a fiction fiction style. So the non-fictional uh, non-fiction style is about like the uh, some like, like documentary elements on. Uh, on Aaron Turing, what he experienced in the very last uh, years in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during I was writing that, I was also uh, developed some like the ideas about what would happen after that, what would happen in near future. So I have this idea of like this, uh, like the this TV show. Uh, but mm-hmm. after I finished the Good Goodnight Melancholy, I felt that. Uh, Maybe the better idea. Maybe I would better just like extract this mm. part of TV show and make it like an independent story. But uh, of course, these two stories they have like a common, a shared uh, opinion of the story. Uh, so as for your question, I think uh, it's not my main purpose to like uh, to give people like lectures. Right. Um, what is like the some like the scientific idea but uh one thing i think is more like uh, interesting is that uh that is like the the way i'm using this like a uh, non-fiction style writing or but actually they are like uh, they, they are creative non-fictional writing yes. because the materials they are not real but like the i uh, fabric this kind of thing and pretend that this kind of thing uh, have already happened or that would that would happen in the future as a real mm-hmm. uh, like a, a social event so mm-hmm. uh, by using this kind of writing style i, I feel like i can combine more um, 
more different kind of discussions into my writing. So mm -hmm. for like the fictional style, a uh, fictional storyline, I can more focus focus on the like uh, emotional uh, or like the story arc or character arcs of the main character, what happened to this main character and uh, what he have learned from this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's more focused on like the, how to say, it's like the, like the creative writing or literary elements in the story. Right. But, but on this like non-fictional narrative, which can give me more open space to discuss and also and of course also to introduce some new ideas to mm. the audience. So I think it is a good way to balance the story. Totally. Yes. Yeah, I think it's uh, some really good fusion of like scientific concepts and especially like I think in some of your stories, especially when you go for the emotional stuff. It's really, it's really good. I, I, I know I told you kind of awkwardly at the Leeds um, author event that I think I, I don't know exactly how many of these details I gave you, but basically as I'm getting older and becoming an adult, movies make me cry more and more. Books very rarely still. I think it's harder for books to affect me. But um, from the sci-fi I've read, not just Chinese sci-fi, all sci-fi, when I met you, I told you only two things made me cry. Something I can't spoil near the end of Death's End, the last three body book, and Tong Tong Summer from Invisible Planets. But I just started reading Broken Stars and Goodnight Melancholy. Oh my god, it got me. It made me cry. So I think that's yeah. a testament to how good a handle you've got on those emotional aspects and putting them in sci-fi stories. It's quite special. Yeah, it's, it's also kind of touring chess. <laughs> You're right. There is a hidden to Turing test. test. Like the, your, your ability of <laughs> empathy as a human being. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I proved I'm not an android, so that's helpful to know. Uh, and also, there's one thing I want to uh, I, I want to concentrate that as you just mentioned, the like okay. the Mao or Soviet arrow uh, mm, mm. writing style. Uh, one uh, there's like some debate on this writing style, but one disadvantage of this style is that because the, its main purpose is to give lectures to the readers, mm. so that it's kind of like a limit the development uh, the development of the storyline because it has right. to like give some like a main character who is like the old professor or a scientist mm. uh, and uh, who is like the giving uh, the, who is like the introducing. Uh, this kind of like magic scientific uh, scientific inventions to some like younger mm. uh, character, like a little boy or like a student. So which just built up some like the convention for this writing style and mm. then became like a cliche. Right. So uh, so after that era in like the new era or like the post 1990s science fiction, as Chinese science fiction, most of the writers, they try, just try to explore how to broke up this kind of convention and to develop more uh, diverse characters and story plots. Mm. So for me, I think my exploration is also a approach to try to deal with this dilemma of writing. Because right. I, I don't think like giving lectures, giving lectures to the audience, is, uh, readers, is a, is a bad thing. It just uh, depends on how yeah. you give this or like the what's what's a if if you can like give a really good excellent lecture which is really attractive <laughs> to your readers it still can be a very intriguing element part in your story. Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Chen Chiu Fan in our episode he actually reminded me of the English word for this. I forgot it. I think you can use it as a noun and a verb. Info dump. Do you know that one? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, oh so 
so it's uh, info like information and dump put together. Oh yeah, like yes, yes, info yes, dump. yes, yes, And info yeah, dump, yeah, the magic of sci-fi is it's actually acceptable or even good to have some info dumps. It's just like you said, how you do it. Um, yes, maybe not could... to do to insert this info dump in like conversations of the yeah. main characters, but for example, like using some non-fictional writing, like the news reports or like mm. a part of the papers, which can be a very good and also professional, more professional mm. way to 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 like the give the information. Yeah. Yes, we could talk about this a long time, but I think we should oh, yes. move on to Tong Tong yes. Summer. Mm -hmm. So can you introduce Tong Tong Summer to the listeners? Uh, so this story uh, happens in summer in a normal Chinese family in near future. And the main characters are the grandfather and the granddaughter. So because of the grandfather, he's like the uh, broken, he uh, broke his leg and could not move around. So the parents of the granddaughter, uh, the Tong Tong is the name of the granddaughter. So the parents of Chong Chong, uh, the employee or like the, the, the employee like a nursing care robot to take care of the grandfather at home. And uh, then there's like a series of events happened after the robot came to their family. Uh, there's uh, I don't want to spoil, but I want to say that uh, mostly if you uh, heard of this kind of beginning of the story, maybe you you will think about like some like the Black Mirror style ending, mm. which can be like a very dark ending. <laughs> Uh, you can imagine, but uh, I promise that my story will, will give you a, like a very unexpected twist, mm. and which is different from the Black, Black Mirror style. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last, well, the last episode I uploaded, but which will be two before this one, I had a guest who's also from my hometown, Dundee, and he's just a huge fan of Chinese sci-fi, and he said one thing he likes mm. in it is there are there's an op in a lot of the stories, there's an optimistic um, view of technology. So even in some of the darker stories, maybe like Liu Sushin stories, he, the, the depiction of technology isn't as skeptical as it might be in Black Mirror, where people have criticized Black Mirror, basically saying the story for every episode is phones equals bad or the internet equals bad. But anyway, my question is totally different. It's not really even about the story. It's about the summer, the theme of summer, because like you mentioned, summer is in your pen name. It's the kind of English name that you have. And it's it's appears in a few of the titles and the contents of your stories. So I, um, I guess I'll preface this by talking about uh, the season I used to identify with. So I was born in winter and I used to think winter was the best and I thought I was very cool for liking the cold, dark season. But then like as an adult, I found I just like summer a lot more. You get more time of day, there's more sunlight. More sunlight does make me feel more happy, but I still feel kind of attached to winter. So I guess my question for you is, can you tell the listeners about your connection with summer and do you have like a second place season that you like almost as much? <laughs> Uh, first thing is that I was born in summer. I was mm. born in June, and like I said, the midsummer. And uh, so uh, when I was growing up, I have many like uh, beautiful memories of the summer, and also uh, and also like because uh, my birthday was very quite close to the International Children's Day. Oh right. Both of these days are in summer, like the beginning, like the beginning of summer. Mm. So uh, my uh, so my like a uh, sweet memory is like a 
when I was a kid, my parents like brought brought me to have some good 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 stuff to eat. Uh, mm. Basically, like the like a Kentucky Fried Chicken or McDonald's, <laughs> <Nice. laughs> because they used to be very fashion in China in China, like they, the in nineteen nineties. They must have been the, very new. <laughs> yes, and very crowded. <laughs> a lot right. of like the kids were brought by their parents to celebrate the. Uh, Children's Day, and they like they brought me some like the presents, mostly like the books or、uh, science fiction books or like the or popular science books for me as a birthday present. So also I have uh, many uh, many important things、uh, happened in China for me, like the uh, graduation and、mm. like the、uh, departure of my、uh, important relatives. Like my grandfather, he's also passed away in summer.、Right. So the, the total summer is basically based based on my. Uh, real experience with my grandfather,、mm. and I tried my best to to use my grandfather as a prototype for the main character and build up this character as a very ordinary old people, but still very like a strong and stubborn hero,、mm. science science fiction hero in this <laughs> story. Yeah. So yeah, so、uh, I think there's like、uh, in the ending of the story,、uh, in the story there's some、uh, ma- many like a description about summer. Like the summer is a bad season. You、mm. can do this, you can do that. You can just、uh, swim and、uh, or playing with your、uh, play with your、uh, friends in summer. Also, you can have a lot of like dreams in summer. It's funny that you mention、um, graduation because. A lot of the, a lot of my happy memories of summer are also about like ending school because the school term starts in or sorry ends in early summer starts again in late summer. So although we we might think like which season signif- symbolizes the end winter because it's the end of the year it's getting darker. Actually, I think a lot a lot of these big changes journeys away from home to home, starting school blah blah blah. It's actually it all happens in summer. It's you know. Yes, Some, yes. Literally, I thought、uh, I just had a summer vacation. Yeah, a lot can happen in a holiday. Yes, so as as you mentioned, that many important things happen in China. So I、mm. in, in summer. So I, for me, I think summer is like the a season full of stories, full of、mm. hopes, and、uh, maybe sometimes like sad, sadness, uh, bittersweet experiences. So、uh, and、uh, at the end of my story, I mentioned that there's like the、yeah. still plenty of time in summer. Summer never ends because summer is like the yeah, it's a it's a time for you to explore more.、Mm. I can、um, I can teach you a Scottish phrase because we're quite far north, so our summer days are very long. So there's a phrase,、uh, "roaming in the gloaming." So roaming, like wandering, walking. Gloaming is a special Scottish word. It means、uh, kind of the period in the summer where the sun is very low in the sky, but it just stays there a long time, and you have the long evening light. And it's、oh, kind、yeah. of associated with those feelings of the day never ends. Da 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 da.、Um, I have another quote as well related to summer and winter that means a lot to me. It's from、uh, Albert Camus, so this is translated English as well, but it's from French. I just want to read this on the show because I love it so much.、Um, so it goes like this. Again, this is not my words. This is the French philosopher Camus. In the midst of winter, I felt. Was, I don't know if you can hear my dog there.、Um, I can、I'll、hear st- that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> Never mind. It's okay. I'll start again. In the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer, and that makes me happy. 
for it says that no matter how hard the world pushes against me, within me, there's something stronger, something better, pushing right back. And I think I, it fits quite well with your stories because there is a lot of sadness and darkness kind of lurking in the back of your stories. And I don't know it. So that when I that's a quote I've loved for a long time, but I think it speaks well to a lot of your stories. Yeah, thank you. I love this mm. this poetry. Yes, the summer inside you, mm. the summer beyond the reach, but still inside you. <laughs> there you go. Perfect note to end talking about Tong Tong Summer. Let's go to yes. the next one, uh, Night Journey of the Dragon Horse. So this is one which is available in Visible Planets. Is this one also on Clark's World? Do you know? Uh, yes, yeah, I, um, yeah, I think this story is firstly published in Invisible Planet and mm. then republished in Clark's World. Right. And can yeah. you tell us what it's about? Uh, the story is a uh, more like a fantasy story. It, mm. uh, the main character is a mechanical dragon horse, and uh, he had been uh, fallen in sleep for many years, and he woke up again after the distinction of human being uh, in Beijing. So when he woke up, he just uh, uh, witnessed like the, uh, the 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 waste of the the world, and then he tried to walk back to his hometown, which is Nantes, Nantes, right, Nantes, Nantes in France. Right. Uh, the home the hometown of uh, Jules Verne, and uh, during his journal, he. Uh, journey sorry he, during his journey he met uh, a bat and uh, they had a very lovely long conversation during the journey so this is basically the story the bat's quite a cute character from what i remember <laughs> yeah mm. um so my question here it's another kind of not really about the story more about the themes um so i'll start by asking like a pre-question did you ever watch or hear about a tv show called firefly an american sci-fi show uh, no, not yet. Right. So it's directed by Joss Whedon, and it's like set in the future where humankind are in space or whatever. And although there are no Chinese characters, the cast occasionally use like a Mandarin phrase. And I think the idea is he's he's got an understanding that in the future, there's going to be probably a lot of Chinese culture is going to enter the global culture or whatever. And it, yes. it, so I think it's it's interesting for me because I think this is pro it's true. I think there's probably going to be a lot more mixture of cultures in the future. And I think China is probably going to play a big part. Um, so it's always interesting to me when I read a future story where, especially just maybe because of my own interests, Western and Chinese culture have fused in some way. And it, I think that really applies to this dragon horse because it's a kind of a France slash Europe, China co-creation. So yes. was, was that what you were kind of going for in this story? Yes, yes. This story is uh, inspired by a true piece of like uh, uh, how to say it's like the instruction or like the machine, because mm. it 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 will be like a true uh, dragon horse as is de de depicted in my story, and uh, it was uh, created by a French company. I think its name is like the La Machina, uh, which is based in Nantes, mm. and uh, this. And this dragon horse was created to celebrate the fifties. Uh, I think that the, it was like the fifties universe uh, anniversary of diplomatic relationship between China and France. Mm. 
Right. So it was in 2014, and that dragon horse was transported uh, into China in Beijing and uh, uh, to for like the exhibition uh, for like the several uh, for several days. And uh, I I haven't watched that uh, performers. Uh, personally, I just uh, mm. watched some like videos online, but right. it, which impressed me a lot, like the the concept and also the experience of this dragon house because it's a, it's the perfectly combined uh, like the uh, fantasy and uh, uh, technological uh, elements, like the Chinese and Western cultural elements all together to build up this dreamlike creature. Mm. Uh, so and also this story um, is like a it's a birthday gift for Ken Liu. because ah. <laughs> two in two thousand and fourteen he visited China. He traveled to China to participate in like the Nebula Award, Chinese Nebula Award uh, ceremony, right. and uh, it was like the maybe a second time I met him. Uh, and uh, after he departed. Uh, and uh, it was soon his birthday. It was like the, in the very beginning of November. Uh, so it came to me this idea that maybe I can create something uh, like a create like a story <laughs> mm. for him, like a birthday. Uh, birthday present and uh, it came to me this concept of like the dragon horse because i think that the dragon horse is very good simple as like the the bridge between different cultures or different mm. worlds uh because it's like the half blood of many things uh, right. it's a super combination of many things mm. so uh and then i uh, i wrote his story and uh, give the story to him and he was very very happy <laughs> and he decided to use his story in his uh, at that time it was his upcoming invisible planet anthology so that's yeah. why this story is firstly published in that anthology because right. it's special for him and special for that anthology. So also in the story, you can see not just the, the dragon horse, but also like the bat, because the bat is also like the half-blood of night and uh, and the daytime, ah. uh, of like a bird and uh, like the beast, right? Mm. And also other uh, strange creatures they met d- during the during their journey, and other stories they talked with each other is that also like the half science fiction and half fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a very happy experience to write, to think, to imagine this kind of story. It's like the crazy experiment, just to try to combine everything I feel interesting all together. <laughs> Mm. And make it like a convincible, plausible for the readers. Now, I know that in um, traditional Chinese culture, the bat is a symbol for something. Is it a symbol for happiness? Yes, yes, because like the uh, in Chinese it's called bian fu, Ooh, and right. the fu is yeah, yeah, fu is for like the happiness. Mm. Yeah, um, and then the bat in Western culture, it's maybe more associated with Halloween and creepiness. But I think there is a general understanding that really it's just a little mouse with wings. So making it cute also makes sense. Um, And and the dragons and the horses. So I have an anecdote, a story from uh, when I lived in China, I would, I traveled quite a lot and I noticed quite often outside railway stations, there would be statues of horses, kind of Chinese style statues. And I hadn't really, it's something I didn't expect because when I before I traveled, I knew very little about the country and the culture. But it was an interesting thing to see this horse. I guess I did generally associate more with, with Europe. So so I learned that the horse, it seemed to, I think, does it symbolize travel 
in in China. Is that right, or am I completely yeah, wrong? Yeah, maybe something. Yeah, like the speed,、mm. uh, like travel, and、uh, also like the, cause also like the、uh, dragon, dragon horse 龙马 in Chinese is a is a saying like 龙马精神 uh literally like dragon horse spirit. Which、right. is like a very good,、uh, how to say, the good symbol of like a good spirit.、Mm. Right. So there's the horse, which has a kind of a importance in both places, and dragons too. Of course, the 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 dragon in the West is often evil or at least powerful, and then in in the East, it's uh, it's it's I guess it's mostly a positive symbol. But you've taken two animals that are both meaningful in both places. So it's I, I guess it gives a bit of a, a double power to their combination. I don't really have any question there. Just something I yeah. And also I, I just remember that、uh, in the、uh, at in the ending of the story, I caught、uh, I cited a poetry、mm. from a very famous Chinese uh, uh, poet, Haizi,、uh, mm. and、uh, that poetry is like the one of his most famous poetry. Is Yi Meng Wei Ma, like the takes a takes a. Uh, take the dream as horse, or like you can ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ride something.、Uh, something like that. You can ride on the dream as a horse.、Mm. So it's talking about like the dream relationship between dream and horse.、Mm. I just remembered. So we tried to do a word of the day on the show, and I forgot to ask for one in my show notes. So maybe we could do、uh, for a word. We could do summer, and for a phrase, we could do. Was it Long Ma Jingshen? <laughs> Long Ma Jingshen, yes. Long Ma Jingshen, and that's a horse, dragon horse spirit. And <laughs>、yes. summer is Xia, is that correct? Yes, yes. So our word of the day: Long Ma Jingshen and Xia. So horse spirit, <laughs> ho- dragon horse spirit, and summer. Okay, I've ticked that box. <laughs> Speaking of tick, the next story is TikTok. Ah、uh, yes. I didn't plan that, but that worked out really well.、Um, so can you teach us, or can, so not teach us? Sorry, can you tell us? What's TikTok about?、Uh, this story is a bit more like a how to say a thriller story.、Mm. So to avoid more like spoiling, I can just、uh, tell you simply. It's、uh, something about like uh, uh, dream making and、uh, filmmaking and uh, like uh, some crime. <laughs> There's also like、uh, some crime elements inside. But、mm-hmm. I cannot give give you more. Right, and I'll I'll try not to spoil it at all either. My question、mm-hmm. here: This is something I mentioned earlier about positive and negative depictions of technology in Chinese. Well, not just in Chinese sci-fi, in sci-fi. And I felt that out of your stories that I read, so obviously in in、uh, Tong Tong Summer we get a really not I'm not trying to spoil anything, but we get a positive vision, future vision of of yeah, how technology. <laughs> Yeah, of how technology can be used, but in TikTok, this is a little bit like a Black Mirror episode. Do you think that's fair to say? Yes, yes, actually, yes, and so, it's intentionally. Oh right. To, okay. Yes, because this story is、uh, initially like、uh, how to say the a、uh, piece、uh, a piece of work for a competition. Right. It it was in two two thousand and fifteen. There was like a competition held by a group of Chinese science fiction association. So uh, it's called like a comet science fiction competition. So the basic、mm. idea is like the every issue, the editor give a like a title for the competitors. Uh, and the competitors is uh, it, they are from like a different culture, different languages. So、uh-huh. there, 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 there will be like a, there was like also Chinese and English speaker、uh, writers to participate in this competition. And each 
author need to submit one story based on the like this a prompt. And then the, the editor would hire some translators to translate uh, each stories into uh, into other language, uh, like the English into Chinese and the Chinese into English. And then we will publish the bilingual uh, stories online for readers to like to uh, give credits of the stories. Right. So uh, the prompt of that issue was timetable. So, mm. which means I need to write a story about like something about time. So mm. the, it came to me this this sense of like a time lapsing, like TikTok, TikTok, time is lapsing, which give you a very, uh, very tensive feeling. And uh, also f- because it's a competition, so I think it would be a better idea to to more follow the like the conversion of this kind of style, uh, this kind of st- uh, story, mm. to give the dark uh, faces of the future technology and uh, to uh, to make some like the uh, suspensive twist in the story. So that's yes. my basic idea of that story. There's certainly a lot of twists in this one. Um, yes. So I have kind of a follow-up question here, um, which is based, it's only really describing the start of the story, where we have some kind of a mysterious character who keeps taking on lots of different roles by changing costume and stuff. So um, this is this is going to touch on French culture, or France again, because we already, uh, we mentioned the, uh, the dragon horse, which is from the French town of Nantes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned the philosopher Albert Camus, and strangely enough, Reading this story, or at least the start, reminded me of a French movie called Holy Motors. Yes. Have you seen that film? Of course. (laughs) Right. And you find it. It's where my inspiration came from. Uh The beginning of the story, yes. If anyone likes Holy Motors, do read the story TikTok. If you enjoy TikTok, especially the opening section, check out Holy Motors. I think that's all we should say. It's a very yes, strange yes, film, yes, but it's um, yeah. When I first watched Holy Motors, I thought, "Oh my god, this is such an annoying film. I don't like it." But I think if I rewatched it and looked at it from this perspective of how people play different roles depending on who, what the situation requires them to be, it's quite deep. Um, so yeah, and there's in in TikTok that is one aspect of TikTok as well. So that's what I was going to say. Uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, and I think the like the uh, the very important point uh, from the Holy Motor is it be- depicts like the how this filmmaking or dream making work or industry became mm. our basic like a uh, like the, the like the basic des- uh, like the uh, power to push to to push our like a bit everyday life. So mm-hmm. our every life is already like became more and more like dreamlike or film-like. True. Yeah. Yes. It's a funny thing. I remember um, when I, I did some film studies modules in university, and uh, the, these academic writers would say the film makes you feel like you are the hero, lets you live in a fantasy. And I thought, no, no, I'm not <laughs> like that. But it's total nonsense because especially when I was a kid, um, I have a really strong memory of. This happened in a lot of films, but especially when I saw Toy Story in the cinema. I remember getting up out of my seat and walking away and really thinking that I was Woody, the uh, cowboy from Toy Story. So it's amazing the power that culture, I guess, not just movies, movies, video games, uh, advertisements, the internet. Yeah, all of this visional um, mm, culture, this visional um, culture, uh, industrial products. Mm -hmm. I think that's 
it's definitely a big difference with with books like i said i love books but it's really hard for them to make me cry and <laughs> it's very rarely in a in a, when i'm reading a story that i strongly feel like i'm a character maybe more in novels because in a novel you can get to know someone but in a quick short story it's really hard for me to get attached or think i am one of the characters Yes, yes, and also like we as like the same, they are like the same generation. We grow up in this kind of like visual, mm. uh, visionary uh, culture stuffs. So I I also remember that when I was a very very little kid, uh, every night when uh, before I feel fell asleep, I would uh, I always have have had a kind of like a period of time which is like a special for me for myself to imagine that I'm in certain kind of story. Mm. So it it used to be like a very private, personal, uh, like a imaginary world for me. And during yeah. that process, I also like I like tried to to invite the characters from all of different stories into my story and play with me. Uh, yeah. So so in this TikTok story, it's kind of like like to depict this kind of version, like to. Uh, I do not want to spoil, but it's kind yeah, of like... but it's the dark side of that. Yes, yes, yes. Totally. Okay, uh, let's go to the next story. This is the last one, and maybe my favorite one. Six views of a spring festival. Maybe a hard one to summarize. So just in any way you like, can you tell us what this story is about? Oh, uh, yes. That story was, I think, was written uh, during one spring festival in 2013. And uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, when I was at home uh, to celebrate the Spring Festival with my parents and uh, all all my friend old friends and relatives, uh, I I noticed that uh, the nope. technology are you coming? Are the police coming? Not coming. They're just a passing <laughs> Okay, good. Not police, but the ambulance. Yeah, oh, right. okay. <laughs> So I just noticed that how. Uh, Chinese people's ordinary life had been rapidly changed by all of this, like the new technologies, like the WeChat Pay, or like the this just just this kind of things. Mm. So, and also in the, this story is partly influenced by the Black Mirror, yeah. <laughs> because it's more depicted like the 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 near future vision, and yeah. the more like the subtle uh, subtle uh, changes uh, of like the ordinary people. So I began to write these kind of stories. Uh, so and uh, I finished, uh, 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 that's it. after all, I finished like the six short stories uh, happened in one spring festival in near future China mm. and uh, depict like the, like the different visions of Chinese people's live, uh, lives in, mm. in this spring festival. So uh, the original Chinese title for the story is like uh, literally like uh, old stories happened in a spring festival in 2044. So right. there used to be like very exact uh, uh, the time, uh, the point of time in the title. But when the story uh, was translated into English, my translator Ken Liu, he suggested that maybe we should not uh, use this 2044 in the title to give the readers a very like exact prediction of that what will happen in the future so mm. i think that's a very reasonable suggest suggestion yeah. so i just removed this 
this year, uh, this number of year from the title. Now that, that makes me think I've avoided talking about hard and soft sci-fi because I think you've talked about that in lots of other places yes. and it's got a special relationship to your stories. But it seems like, to, to me, taking the number and the specific details out of the name and going for that more literary title kind of frames the story as more a little bit more soft than hard. But would you do you think the same, or am I imagining things? Uh, I think some uh, like the, the the year is a more like the, some like a convention of science fiction writing. When you give like a, a like the how to say the introduction of the background of a story, you mm. should give a like a very specific uh, time of year, like the tw tw like the uh, how to say like the twenty nineteen. Los Angeles, right? That's the beginning of the Blade Runner. Uh, but as also uh, speaking of like a soft and hard writing, I think the point is that because uh, uh, for me in recent years I became more and more into uh, depicting the subtle uh, feelings of people during mm. the the like the transformation of technology not just only to introduce how this technology works mm. uh what's there like what, what's there like the scientific uh rules of like a of, of their function but also try to depict how all of these new technologies were like uh, in, uh, invested and uh, to be made into like some like the products and uh, how like the commercials Com uh, commercially use these products and uh, how they fit back their feeling of this kind of products. So this is this may be more like a, a soft uh, version of the science fiction writing, but this part really matters because mm -hmm. if we think about future, we, we, can, we should not just uh, think about like the uh, how like the, some very powerful and professional scientists or uh, entrepreneurs, they make use of uh, this kind of technologies from a, like a, a higher to lower point of view. But we also need to think about from like a lower point of view, from the ordinary people's point of view, mm -hmm. to think about how their every life changed and uh, how they could, how they can do, how they can maybe do something to change the usage of this. Uh, technologies. So that that was that is what I want to try to explore in the Spring Festival stories. So I yeah. I tried tried my best to write to to create these characters as like real nobody, mm. real normal people. Even their names they are like the little uh, Xiao Wang Xiao Zhou like the yeah. little like Zhou and uh, just they are like the uh, last name. So yeah. in, in Chinese culture, it's like they are just really just a nobody, not some not very important people. Yeah, like but Mr. Just Jones, like, Mr. Smith. Yes, yes, or Grandma Grandma Wang, or like old Wang. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. So they are just like the the ordinary people, your own friends and relatives all mm. around you. But if you really care about their livings and uh, their feelings, their uh, their feelings, their uh, sufferings and uh, happiness during the process, you should just uh, try to emphasize with these characters. Yeah. Um, so obviously, this is every, everywhere in the world, people are real people, they live real lives. But I think um, the way 
here in the UK and I'm sure a lot of the Western world, the way that we hear about China is the big stories, news. Uh, so like in the news, politics and economics. But something I told my friends over and over and over and over is, okay, China, it's a it's different culture, different political system, but it's not as different as you think. Grannies are still grannies, grandads are still granddads. You know, there are shops, there are streets, people live normal lives, not as different from yours as you think. And I guess a lot of Chinese literature that gets translated and put into English, it is a little bit political. Or the other sci-fi we get, like Three Body, those are characters in those stories, but they're living amazing lives. So it's cool that we have sci-fi about the Xiaowangs and the Xiaozhous and the, you know, the... The normal people um it's cool but anyway i want to ask you another thematic question about this story because i could talk forever about this it's about i guess going back to the life and like the existential stuff the darkness behind the summer um there is quite a lot of death and despair in some of these stories of yours i've read um and there's often some thoughts about what life means and how, how life is valuable um were you going for that in your six views of a spring festival as well as the trying to give a snapshot of the oh what is the the, the lao bai xing the ordinary people's lives yeah uh generally speaking i think that yeah really in my stories because i just realized that there are some like some um darker darker aspects hidden in my story with uh like out of my self-consciousness Mm. Uh, cause, for example, I, I actually I had a lot of stories talking about like the like the uh, journey uh, during the dark night, right? Right. Like the I just uh, found that I just noticed that they have like uh, three stories entitled uh, with like the Ye Xing, the night journey. So the, the first Xing, one is right. the, the yeah journey uh, night journey of the dragon horse mm. and uh, uh, Long Ma Ye Xing. The second is like the Bai Gui Ye Xing Jie, the one hundred ghost pirate night. Oh, so it's right. also like the yeah the travel or like the walking during dark night and mm. the third one is uh if 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 in the winter's night a traveler so which is borrowed from Carvino's story but in, in when it translated into Chinese it's like a Dong Han Dong Ye Xing Ren. Ye Xing. So that's something we won't see just looking at the English titles, but in the original Chinese, it's Ye Xing is there three times. Yeah. Yes. So uh, so uh, so which made me think about what this Ye Xing, this night journey, uh, means. Mm. So actually, this is kind of like the some like the ambiguous field for like the all the ghosts to talk with living people. Right. So for me, um, I think the ghost days are not that just a, like uh, it's. Of, of course, it, they they are horrified, but also they are something uh, with some like the potential inside, because mm. ghost is some like the is, is which can be a sim, uh, which which can be like a simple a simplizer the the world out of beyond our reach be, be beyond our perception. So this kind of uh, field arena can uh, provide like much more like potential for us to think differently to mm. understand like the alternatives uh, which is outside our common sense world right that's interesting uh, so I have another little add-on question to this I'm cheating slightly this is kind of a second question uh, but so that in the time I spent in China I I know to I guess I learned the importance or the emphasis on longevity living a long life and I feel <laughs> yes. like in in Europe or the Western culture or whatever, of course we we want everyone, all our friends and relatives to live a long time. But I think we talk about it less. I think maybe because of the Christian 
heritage and the culture, there is less acceptance that life is limited. There's less focus on making your life long and meaningful. Um, yes. And I, I, am I right in thinking that in six views of a spring festival, there are longevity noodles, these long noodles that symbolize a long life? Are they in there? Uh, I think I could I could not remember because there's a, like one story about like a newborn baby. Mm. So, uh, it's, uh, so the longevity noodles can also like provide for to celebrate the burning of a new, uh, like a new newborn kid, right. and also there's another story about like old people, old uh, like old grandma, and uh, the celebrity for her like birthday of nineties, and there can also be a good place to to for for like the longevity noodles. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, so in Chinese culture, uh, I think the not just like the uh, to hope for or to, to wish the old people to live a longer life matters, but also uh, how to fear with uh, uh, passing away people, mm. right? So in these six stories, they are like the stories about young kids and the middle-aged people and like the uh, people fall in love, people want to build up like a marriage relationship and also people who are really in their old age and uh, prepare to 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 leave this living world and mm. they begin to think about what they can left, what they can uh, like to transform to their uh, younger generations. So this is very kind of like Chinese culture. Mm, thank you for that answer. That is all of the questions I've got about these stories that are going to be in a summer beyond your reach. I want to ask you just a couple questions about translation and then a couple questions about academic stuff, a couple final questions, and then I'll say farewell. So um, uh, first question about translation, I learned, so before, as preparation for this show, I looked to see if there was any other podcasts with you on them. And I found a couple and I learned from them that you've done some English to Chinese E2C translation, as well as having your own stories translated by other people into English. Um, and that some of that is related to your, I guess, you being a fan of Ray Bradbury. So yes. tell the listeners and myself a wee bit about that. Yes, uh, I think it was just started in 2012 when Ray Bradbury suddenly passed away. Mm. In the summer, <laughs> it's just at the same in the summer in there June, I think. Passing away and in the summer, yeah. it's the theme. Yes, and uh, that was just before uh, my preparation to to go to US to uh, to participate in the WorldCon. Mm. So I originally I have this plan to 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 go to Chicago for the WorldCon and after that maybe I would have a opportunity to to visit Bradbury in person so that was like the part of my plan but uh, I was I was I was like the uh, stopped by this sudden news that he passed away mm. so to like recover from that suffering I began to try to translate his stories, uh, mostly the stories from the illustrated man uh, into Chinese. And I kept on working for about like the, like the one week uh, and uh, finished like uh, maybe seven or eight short stories. Uh, mm. So it, it was a very like the very accidental opportunity for me to involve in this translating translation work because before that I, I never thought about like the mean uh, I, I can like uh, do this translation because I was not majored in English. 
Mm. And I don't think my English is good enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, still, uh, I think it's, a, it's a, like the call of like some spiritual power that <laughs> you, you should try to do this at this point of time. Mm. And I think it's, it's a good way because I, I always think that our, our life as a human being is kind of like a, actually like, like a story. There might be some very unexpected twist happened in certain points of mm. your story and uh, you could not expect them. Uh, but, it's, but when you experienced this kind of twist, you will realize in the future or in mm. a later time that what's the meaning of that twist. Yeah. So it's like the revela- a revelation of your own story of life. Uh, so things like that, uh, after I finished uh, this, like the eight, uh, seven or eight stories, I had to stop and uh, prepare for my visa application to uh, to go to U.S. So uh, I appointed like the interview at the embassy, uh, at, at the consulate. And uh, the staff at the consulate, he asked me wh- why are you going to the U.S.? So I answered that because I want to participate like the WorldCon. And he asked, uh, uh, so are you a science fiction writer? I said, yes. And he said, uh, so what, who is your favorite science fiction writer? <laughs> so I said, Rick Bradbury. And he said, could you give, you, give me some like the names of his stories? I said, of course. <laughs> so I said, a series of the, like the titles. And he said, oh, cool. Have a nice day. <laughs> so we, went, we end up this conversation and I got a visa. Well, it's a fun test to pass anyway. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So and uh, so after that, I also uh, translated some of Khalil's stories. Ah, uh, so cool. they're more like the, how to say, like the recorporate, right? Mm. Recorporate uh, translation. Because to thanks for his translation of my stories. Mm. So it's just the main part of my translation. I have another question about the Ray Bradbury translations. Uh, actually, question in two parts. Uh, first part is, were those the first ever Chinese versions of those stories? That's first part. And the second part is, did you share them anywhere or are they just for yourself? Uh, so for Bradbury, he, uh, he had a lot of stories uh, previously translated into Chinese and published in different venues. Mm. But uh, when I started to translate Illustrated Man, there was no Chinese version for that collection. Right. Uh, so I just a uh, uh, few, uh, just, uh, just like the randomly pick that book and start to translate. So some of the stories I translated already have some Chinese translation, but I think it doesn't matter for me because I just want to do this Mm. work. And after that, I think some of the stories uh, that after I finish this part of work, I submit, uh, I send the stories to the editor of Science Fiction World. And then uh, some of the stories have been published in science fiction world. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't finished the translation of the whole book because uh, later there's uh, like an editor told me that uh, the this collection had uh, like the Taiwanese version. So ah, I think right. this, uh, so I just uh, think oh, maybe I just I should stop here and just <laughs> keep the rest of the stories to myself. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, any um Anybody who's listening and can read Chinese and is a fan of Xia Jia, I guess you can go look for Science Fiction World and find those Ray Bradbury versions. That's really cool. Another question about translation. So it's about another one about Emily Jin and also uh, Carmen Yilin Yan. So in, uh, in this sci-fi season of several episodes, I've talked about Ken Liu quite a lot. 
and I asked uh, Stanley Chen, Chen Fan, about working with him. And I could have asked you the same question, but I thought it would be more interesting and a better thing to do uh, to ask about how it was working with uh, Emily Jin and Carmen Yilin Yang. Yan. Yes, yes. Because uh, uh, I met Abby Jean several times uh, in 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 U.S. and both in China. So we are like the close friends. Uh, but I have uh, I never met the uh, Carmen 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 Yilin Yilin before. And uh, so I think the but the the process of co- cooperation is basically just the same. Like we uh, after they finished the translation, they send me the like the first version, and then I read the translation and uh, added some like the notes or comments uh, to like uh, uh, to discuss about their strategies or sometimes the like maybe there's some like the misunderstanding or. Uh, the like the, the neglected something, so I can give some suggestion to to add it into the the the, the final version, and mm. also cause like the I think uh, the Emily Jean is a kind of like student of Ken Liu, right. or yeah. So uh, so I remember that there's one story uh, haven't published in English, but will be included in a summer beyond our your reach. It's mm. called uh, Amilo River, Amilo River. Right. which is a very complicated story talking about like uh, I, so I, I just uh, I would not introduce more about this story okay. but the thing is that there are many like the uh, both traditional Chinese implications and uh, some like uh, uh, like the elements in real life in mm. like the in, in Chinese science fiction community uh, both included in that story. So when I read that the English translation, I noticed that Ken Liu already read that version and added a lot of like, not a lot, but a, a, a couple of like notes mm. inside. And then I can follow uh, her, his notes and, uh, and the suggestions to, uh, to decide what uh, I would do next. Uh, for example, Ken Liu suggested maybe I can add like an author's note to briefly intro- introduce the background of this story. Uh, because this, this story involved with Quan, which is like an ancient Chinese poet and politic politics mm. in China, and also involved with like the a, 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 a contemporary Chinese science fiction writer uh, whose name is Liu Wenyang. So I have so. The better idea is like the I gave like the uh, writer's notes to introduce both this two, uh, the knowledge of these two persons and uh, to make 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 it clear that why I uh, decided to write this story and what I want my readers to get from the, my story, because mm-hmm. that story was originally like just a just written for Chinese science fiction fans. Right. But for English read, reader, readers, I need to like give more information to explain. Yeah. So th- this is like the basic what we did during the this process of, of, of translation, just like give each other suggestions and sometimes ask questions. Sometimes the, the translators, they ask me some questions about like, uh, what do you mean? And what, what, what do you want to say of here or there? So mm. I just explained more uh, in my feedback. Cool. Yeah, uh, I can say as a reader, it's always, I, I don't know if every reader feels the same way, but I love it in translated stuff when there's a note from the author. I even love the footnotes 
maybe I'm nerdy, but I think it's great. <laughs> and I also think it's good to not just get stuff that's been written for, for a Western perspective, but to get, I guess, reading the stuff that other people in other parts of the world read. But then obviously, if notes are necessary to explain certain elements, I, I see that as like bonus content. It, it does, It's a good thing for me. <laughs> Um, maybe other readers feel differently. We could talk about this a long time, but I want to fast forward and ask you a couple of questions about science fiction studies, since you're not just Jia Jia, you're also Wang Yao, the uh, associate professor. Um, although I, I understand you're not a Chinese science fiction academic, you're just Chinese literature or writing teacher or academic, is that right? That's like uh, my doctor dissertation was on contemporary Chinese science fiction yeah. since 1990s. So after my graduation, uh, my main academic interest is still in this area, right. in this field. But because uh, uh, at Xi'an Jiao University, the, 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 the place I worked, I, I, I teach, Mm -hmm. uh, there's no there's no science fiction courses or like the, or or science fiction studies uh, institutions. So just me, I'm uh, alone to to do or doing this kind of like researches. And uh, as a teacher uh, at Jiaotong University, I mainly teaches I, I mainly teach like uh, practical writing, mm. <laughs> which is nothing to do with uh, like uh, science fiction or creative writing. <laughs> Mm. So um, when I was doing my own research for my master's dissertation, a few names of academics popped up. Uh, one was in the in the United States, um, Song Mingwei. I think he's a professor or an academic in the Chin Chinese science fiction studies area. And the other name that popped up uh, a fair bit, and I'm maybe saying this wrong, uh, David Durway Wang, who I think yes. is working. I know he's. I think he's working in China. I do not remember which university. Harvard University. Oh, Harvard. Okay. So yeah, he's oh, like the dean of like Asian studies of Harvard ah, University. Okay, so yes. he's not in China at all. Um, mm -hmm. That would lead me to the next wee thing. So I, I think there's been some news recently. Uh, Sichuan University launched a, a sci-fi academy, like a sci-fi studies department. Have you heard anything yes, about I this? Yes, I think so. Yes, yes. Mm. Do you know if there are any like key universities in China which are centers for science fiction studies or not at all? Uh, so I think it's like the, I can give you a very brief introduction of the, awesome. of the short history of Chinese science fiction studies in yes, China. Please. So things like the, all, all of these things I think uh, we can uh, is started from Professor Wu Yan. He right. used to be uh, worked at, at uh, uh, Beijing Normal University, Beijing okay. Shifan Dashue. Right. And so he started uh, but when they, when when he was uh, worked there, he's like the professor at uh, I think uh, education education studies, Jiao mm -hmm. uh, So, uh, but he because he is like the big science fiction fan and a very important figure in like the science fiction community. Uh, so he when uh, so since nineteen ninety one, he started to give some like lectures to. To uh to like so all the students uh in that university, on science fiction, so that lectures became a very important uh opportunities for many young science fiction fans became to like to how to say to be uh, be attracted into this science fiction. It's not a real science fiction study, but like the close reading of science mm. fiction, not mm -hmm. just like the normal science fiction. Not fan. just reading for fun. 
Yeah, because they like the sit into, but because many of them, they are not students of Beijing, Beijing normal university, but they just, uh, they're just students uh, or like the, even graduate students um, live in Beijing, but they went to that, the, the Professor Wu Yan's classes mm. to like, uh, to, to learn something about like the history or like the series of science fiction. Mm. And uh, so this uh, lectures uh, continued about like uh, maybe 20 years or even longer. So when I was in university, when I was in college, when I was studying in Peking University, I also I, I have uh, this opportunity to went to there to to make contact with like the Professor Wu Yan and, and his students and other students came to that classes. Uh, so uh, I think since 2000, and uh, maybe six, uh, Professor William be, uh, started to direct uh, like the master students mm. of science fiction studies. Right. And then, uh, since like a uh, two thousand, maybe I can't remember. Maybe uh, uh, fourteen. Uh, right. There's there began uh, there was, there was like the first like the PhD program for science fiction studies supervised by him. Uh, so I think he's like the how to say the leader of science fiction studies in China, especially uh -huh. in like, like a Chinese publication, because he 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 has some uh, uh, papers translated into English, but he's he mainly uh, like the uh, publish published his uh, papers in Chinese. Right. Uh, and so in recent years, since uh, this year, there were like uh, the three, uh, there, there were three of his PhD students graduated mm -hmm. and they, they got their like a teaching job at different places. So it's so it's like the, how to say, it's like the, it's like the professor, William, like the, the, he, he planted the seeds many years ago and right. uh, this year is like the harvest, big harvest uh -huh. year. So as I mentioned, like Sichuan, uh, Sichuan University's uh, scientific uh, science fiction academy. Uh, it's I think it it, it would be uh, uh, mainly like directed by one of Professor Wu Yan's student, PhD student. Mm. His name is Jiang Zhenyu. So okay. Jiang Zhenyu has has a title like Yibo, the first PhD student of ah. science fiction, and we also have like Erbo and Sanbo, the second <laughs> and third PhD students. Mm. And uh, uh, right now, uh, William, uh, Professor William, is, uh, uh, he changed his job and uh, right now he's like teaching at uh, Southern Technology University, Nanfeng mm. Kheji And he has his own study centers for like science fiction and uh, humanities imagination, Kehuan Yu Renlei Xiangxiangli Study Center. Right. Uh, so this is this is a very important like the uh, how's it like a foundation or like mm. the basement for to calculate younger uh, researchers or uh, in uh, or scholars in science fiction studies in China and also as you mentioned that in recent years because of the explosion of Chinese science fiction there be, uh, there, there there are like more and more scholars uh, international scholars mainly mm. works in like the English uh, in the English world they began to feel interested in the in the contemporary Chinese science fiction, as a uh, David Wong, he's because he's a very important figure. To uh, he 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 was originally uh, uh, main main focus on like the uh, modern and contemporary Chinese Chinese literature in general. Right, so more but like realistic year, stuff. Yes, in recent years he began to 
uh, included the science fiction writing into his own academic interest, and mm -hmm. he gave a, a series of like uh, speeches on uh, Chinese uh, Chinese literature uh, at different venues. But he intentionally uh, chose like the title for his speech, like the "From Lu Xun to Liu Cixin." <laughs> uh -huh. So it's like the uh, like the very important like a change of point of view to to uh, to check the history of Chinese science fiction and the totally. history of Chinese literature. Yeah. So to combine like the to start from Lu Xun and end up with Liu Cixin. So yeah, so it this makes kind sense of, in a lot of ways. Um, yes, yes. So, like, so I guess I'm technically one of these students who got. I don't know if you, I don't know if you can call a master's student a scholar, but I got interested yes, in, are, in this. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Um, I got interested in this uh, from an academic angle, doing my publishing master's, so more looking at the business of well of publishing these books, and from that angle, Chinese sci-fi in, in in translation is really interesting because it's a lot like what you described about David Wang, the like the top selling translated Chinese books have, I guess, kind of switched from Mo Yan style, like literary style, maybe a little bit sociopolitical, often banned in China is the, not just from like a political angle, but from the business angle, banned in China would be the thing you'd slap on the book to help it sell faster. And that seems to be changing or has shifted largely to Liu Cixin and as attached to that, the rest of Chinese sci-fi. And an interesting fact, if you go on Instagram and you put in hashtag Chinese literature, I'm pretty sure the result, it's based, so you get your recent posts uh, where it's just based on when it was posted, but the default display is like most popular, ranked by most likes or whatever, most shares. And um, number one is Three Body, Santi. And I think out of like the top 10, a lot of them are the Three Body Problem or maybe something that Ken Leo is attached to. And those are now side by side with like, uh, Moyan, Yuhua, um, who else? Who else kind of would be in there? Um, Zhang Ran, stuff like that, more literary stuff. So it's it's just really interesting to see where the future is going to go. Like, will other Chinese translated Chinese genres come in? Is it just Chinese sci-fi? We don't know. But it seems like, based on what you're saying, the way the studies angle is blossoming. Hopefully, the Chinese sci-fi keeps getting succeeding in China and worldwide because. I don't know, at least on a personal level, I love reading it. So I love for it to keep exploding. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, Let's go and see. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, yeah. So last, very last questions. Um, here's these, yeah, the second last one, although this is a two-part question. Um, part one, what are you reading right now? And part two, are there any books, they could be sci-fi, they could be Chinese, they could be not Chinese, they could be not sci-fi, any books at all that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, speaking of like what I'm reading, because mm. uh, this year, as I, my, my residency at UCR, so I uh, like a, a sit in some of the lectures of science fiction. This semester, I, I, I sit in like a two science fiction studies lectures and a very uh, unique, uh, like the, how to say, the... Uh, Experience is like to make uh, to get to know more uh, like a science fiction stories, which mm. used to be not that popular in China or haven't been introduced or translated into Chinese, especially mm. like the people of color theme of science fiction. Because uh, 
which made which also made me realize that uh, uh, in the past when Chinese people talk about like Western science fiction, this so kind of Western is mainly focused in like the U.S. Yeah, the American boo, tradition. Boo. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, so here in the U.S. Uh, because like the UCRS also has this very strong uh, tradition of science fiction studies, especially in this like like the international or like the people of color mm. uh, science fiction studies. So uh, for me, it's a very good opportunity to make make access to this like invisible invisible worlds for me. Mm. Right. So I have read a series of of like this uh, like the stories, uh, uh, and also I watched some like movies. Uh, on mm. this topic, so I think the uh, uh, there's like the uh, for example the, 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 like the there's uh, there used to be like the like the Get Out and the oh, yes. Us, which uh, both of them are like the more uh, very uh, already a bit like a famous right, mm -hmm. and uh, also there are like some not that famous works like the See You Yesterday, which is like okay. the the black people's. Uh, uh, time travel story, and also another one is called a sleep sleep dealer, which is uh, like the, uh, the Mexico Mexico main characters. Uh, they are like a Mexico uh, Mexican migrants experience, okay. you know, like uh, uh, like this. Like I do not want to spoil, but near future metropolis. So okay. I think to uh, not read these are not the books, but to watch this movie is a very interesting and uh, experience, and which can also expand my own horizons of the science fiction world. So I want to recommend these two movies okay. to the listeners. Cool. Um, well, I have to ask you now, as a very proud Scottish person, have you read any of the sci-fi books by Ian Banks? Ian Banks. He did the Culture uh, series. Uh, maybe, maybe I can only recognize his name from Chinese oh. translation. Oh my gosh. It's very awkward. Okay, I don't know, but I will. Uh, I will look that up later and find his Zhongguo Mingse, his uh, Zhongguo Mingse, his Chinese name. But he's um. It's definitely like Western style sci-fi, but he's Scottish and he's from, I guess, Fife, I guess a county, like a province very near where I live. So I always recommend him. Um, last question. Is there any of your own uh, work or places where you share things online that you'd like to promote apart from just uh, Summer Beyond Your Reach? Right now I have a Facebook account, mm -hmm. but uh, and also my, my username for Facebook is also Xia Jia. Right. So, uh, if you feel interested, I mean, the, if the audience feel interested, you can try to uh, search for my name. But I'm not using this kind of social media a lot. Mm. So maybe there's just like randomly updated. Uh, and as for my work, uh, this August, I just finished a new uh, a new short story. Oh, just I, I forgot to introduce my uh, other uh, like a series of stories. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, Chinese Encyclopedia. Mm. I remember that I in introduced that uh, during the Leeds uh, University uh, Symposium, right? Right. So that's that's like the pick up uh, story stories uh, about near future China, and uh, it's also like the, some like a Chinese version of the Black Mirror, but not that dark. Is so basically, a little bit similar to your um, six uh, views of Spring Festival, similar kind of. Uh, yes, yes. Actually, I think the like the Spring Festival and also the Tonton Summer can be regarded as some like the starting point 
of this uh, uh of this Chinese encyclopedia series. Mm. Uh, but the 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 latter one is uh, would be included in consisted by like twelve stories, and uh, with like the one main character who she's she's like the female uh, academic who experienced a series of events in different cities of China in mm. one year, so one story for one month, and the um, thing is that uh, this August I just finished a new story. Uh, for this series, cool. and uh, that story will be published in Twelve uh, Tomorrows, which is like which is like an anthology edited by MIT Reviews, Ooh. and uh, will be published next year. Uh, so my story will be like the one part one of this Twelve Tomorrows. That's very uh, cool. Depicted by yeah, writers from different countries, and uh, the title for this story is The Monk of Lin Temple. So, uh, Lin Yin Temple near Xihu yeah. in Hangzhou, right? Yes, yes, yeah, that's Hangzhou Temple. Ah, uh, so I've that, been there. Yeah, so that's a very beautiful place, right? Mm. So the the a Chinese title is Lin Si Sheng. So the story will, will be uh something to do with like the uh technology and also the Buddhism, the Zen mm. Zen Temple and the Zen monk the Zen monk. So mm -hmm. I think that uh, it's something to be to to look forward to. One of my strongest memories from Lingyin Temple. It's a not sci-fi, but a, an example of the old culture meeting the modern world. It was the first time I saw a basketball court in a Buddhist temple. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Yeah, and I was I was showing my dad was visiting China. I showed him, and I was like, "Look, Dad, the the Buddhist monks play basketball." And I think he said, "Yeah, why not?" Yeah, why not? And yeah, the, the so right now the monks they are living a very quite modern life. But also, mm. I, I think it's a, it's a it's a interesting to imagine how they organize their lives, their everyday lives, mm. uh, and how how they like balanced the this like tension between technology and the uh, how to say like the, the the Buddhism style of life to right. looking for the inner peace. Cool. Now, I I know that I said I wouldn't mention hard and soft sci-fi, but I think I have to get this in because I mentioned it in previous episodes. So, would you say that your um, Chinese encyclopedia is going to be a good example of porridge sci-fi? Ah, uh, yes, because I. As I mentioned, I, th I think I mentioned uh, uh, in the lead symposium, right? Mm. Uh, I already tried to expand the definition of poetry sci-fi, yeah, because it's or it's originally more like something softer than soft science fiction, which yep. means more involved like the uh, fantasy elements from, for example, Chinese traditional culture. Mm. But uh, recently, I tried to involve the more like alternative elements rather than traditional hardcore science fiction into my science fiction writing. So for example, this like the non-fictional, creative, creative non-fictional writing can be also like the part of this like porridge element mm. or like the, uh, the ordinary Chinese people's life can also be like the, this part of this this exploration so uh, so also would be like yes i want to I, I try to use the chinese encyclopedia to try to explore more to try to to involve more uh diverse elements into my own science fiction writing and maybe i can use like the chinese encyclopedia encyclopedia to replace the part of sci-fi 
mm. which can be a, like a new tag for my for my writing. That's cool. Because um, like I... the Chinese encyclopedia is from I think it's from uh, I just can't remember uh, original from like a Borges uh, short story talking right. about like a very strange Chinese encyclopedia because it's uh, like a totally chaos of. Uh, how, of like how to uh, divide things into different cat cat categories, mm -hmm. right? And then for folk in his like the words and things, uh, right? Words and things. Right. And in the beginning of the of his book, uh, cited that uh, conception of Chinese encyclopedia to discuss about how our knowledge. Uh, have been organized during the uh, history, and uh, how could we uh, actually imagine like the other way of like this kind of, of organization? So for mm. me, I think this my own writing of this Chinese encyclopedia should be a process of exploration to try to. Uh, to try to involve more diverse things. Awesome. It, it's funny that I think this writer, Borges, he's come up a few times in the show before, and so has um, uh, Latin American literature. And I think we could probably talk about it for a very long time, but uh, <laughs> I probably do have to say goodbye uh, okay. <laughs> about now. But it's been such a great chat. Thank you for being on the show. I'm sure this is a great episode for the listeners. So yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks for all the audience. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you for listening. Well, another huge thank you to Shaja for coming on and making such an amazing show. That was fantastic. I think this will be either the final or the second to last uh, episode of the sci-fi season that we've been doing. If I do do one more, it'll just be by myself. Uh, I don't think I'll do another sci-fi guest episode. I'd, I'd like to have a crack at doing one on my own. It's been a while. I probably won't be doing another one until we hit 2020, but again, never say never. I might quickly record something on a wee sci-fi short story. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, of course, the plugs. We have to do these before I can stop speaking into the microphone. So, um, to support the show financially and get access to bonus content, 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 there's the Patreon account, and for a one-off contribution, there's Buy Me A Coffee. Links for those are in the show notes. Uh, if you want to follow the show online, there's my Twitter account, Angus Likes Words, and the Instagram, Trichofic, uh, T-R-C-H-F-I-C. But of course, the best way to promote the show has nothing to do with the internet or money. It's about telling your friends about the show. If you know someone who might be interested in listening, or someone who likes books, Anyone, anyone really, tell them, tell your dog, tell the chatbot that is also your therapist, tell the plucky little bat that flies around whenever you go off on an existential night journey. And with that in mind, I'm about to go off on my own. Good night and Zai Jian.